two untitled poems. Uh, you underline your sentences with jewels and rope in old railroad ties. I am supposed to call you unique. You want me to remember you. You raise balloons in the winters in Leningrad and carry them in the streets on fur strings. I buy you silk stockings in different sizes because your legs keep changing. I notice you while the great black sky harbors stones that can drop any time. And this other one, uh, again untitled, your perfume makes me shiver. We counted seven dead whales on the beach. They will never see the face of God. They are diseased. When all the water in those dead mammals stops struggling, you will paint them in colors that were not theirs. Directing reflections the way a still sea would. And all those visitors you have will become acquainted with the spouts and tails of the dead and think that the sea is not such a vast room. What was, what, what was delightful for me, uh, I didn't do it with any, uh, with any real intention, but I was on the Hobart Review staff. And uh, after writing these, I immediately left the library thinking, what the hell has happened? <laughs> and went and told my roommate, uh, Mark Raven, and he read the poems and liked them. And then I didn't want to, uh, I didn't want to influence the other three readers on the Hobart Review staff, Bob Funt and Fitch, Katie, and uh, someone else. And so I created a pseudonym, and uh, they liked the poems. They would print four of them in the review, but I kept my mouth shut about the pseudonym. <laughs> and I'd be on, but people really loved the poems. One time I was in the English department, waiting to see somebody in uh, uh, Mel Hill and uh, Roger Farron were talking about who is this guy, Jim Starr, nobody knows who he is. And I had a good time with it in, in a really private way, which was <laughs> But that experience of something writing itself didn't occur to me. It didn't happen to me again for about three and a half more years. <laughs> um, This is a poem uh, from a few years ago that uh, has seen some revision. Uh, it's called The, uh, the Killers, uh, based on uh, which I refer to immediately uh, Ernest Hemingway's story, The Killers, and involves the Harvey Oswald, who was actually, um, <coughs> before he left Russia, was actually at times uh, tutoring English to uh, Russian students. The Killers. Lee Harvey Oswald could be heard reading Hemingway's The Killers in English to some Russian students, an old wire recording which had haphazardly survived and needed no decoding. It was better than having a famous actor read the story. It was actually kind of chilling, not fun, spooky like the word eventually feels like the wind sounds sometimes. Tonight, when I meant to leave the office early, but have lingered like the snow and the streets light falling on the snow. 
I bought my parents bought a very white jacket when I was in the third grade. It seemed extremely special and one of a kind. It wasn't corduroy, it had ridges in it almost like that. But even by the third grade, I must not have been making another kind of grade because I could not bring myself to wear it to school or even around the neighborhood. It was so special, I thought I would receive some kind of unwarranted attention, unwanted attention. The jacket would be ruined, not literally, but in some figurative fashion. But who is kidding whom? I was afraid the jacket would be torn and smeared by someone or someone's, and I would be smeared or smashed for wearing it. Uh, it's a poem entitled, um, Later 13. One witness denies that the nuclear waste was dumped in a liquid form directly into the canyon. One witness is distracted by his id. My parents have entered the slow burn telling a story about what a visit to England in the truest way possible can do to you, or not do, or midday, or not midday. A single, not even petal, did not go down the drain during recess, so the white of it, very small, is drying or dying on a green sheet of paper. One witness says, I do not recall the shape of the canyon, but I recall the shape of the liquid form from a dream. I had, and I can tell you this is a kind of double emptiness, a drink you could order. I'll have a double, no, make that a double emptiness. <laughs> it's hot, so I'm dragging as many people to AA meetings as I can, she says. And then I see this liquid dream, and I know I have been breathing these toxins, and so have my children and all these trees and woods for at least 10 years. This poem is entitled Nerve, and it references uh, a uh, poem by poet John Berryman from a book of his entitled Delusions, etc. And when I reference the poem he wrote, uh, I, the title I'm using is incorrect. The actual title of Berryman's poem is drug, alcohol, little sister. And my memory, when I wrote this a few years ago, told me it's, it's referring to a German poet named Georg Trockel. And I thought Trockel was the name of the uh, poem until I re-looked it up. And, uh, and what I quote as the last phrase is uh, the last three words of the poem uh, that I'm saying I'm reading from in the poem. Uh, they are in the last couple of lines of Berryman's poem, but they don't actually close it. But I decided that I'd leave the quote-unquote mistake in, so. Nerve. Why did I buy the house I'm in where I hardly ever live? It is as if it is an expensive studio for, say, drawings, and perhaps could become an expensive studio to paint in, if I ever can 
ever work up the nerve to pain. I say nerve because I'm afraid that I will either be a real lousy painter or afraid once I start painting, there will be no turning back. One possibility does not necessarily negate the other. That is, I could become a non-stop lousy painter and delude myself. Delusions, etc. is a book by Berenman I enjoyed at the time, but can no longer find my copy of it. One poem I think was called Trockel, after the German poet, and the last line read, Overdose and Go. It's a poem I haven't typed up yet. <laughs> Only about seven years old. This is actually this uh, uh, it's actually an experience I had uh, without hyperbole. Uh, just one of these curious things that uh, recall coincidences or serendipitous and. Uh, really struck me and uh, was very, in that sense, was very easy to write uh, just because I was reporting on what had transpired that very day. And I simply used the first phrase for the title, uh, was going to sing. Was going to sing Peace in the Valley at my father's memorial service, but I didn't. I spoke instead not wanting to surprise anyone by singing, not wanting to draw some attention to myself. And then, after a meal with relatives, I drive the one hour back to Syracuse and decide to stop in a bookstore before going home. <coughs> and. I am very happy to see a new book of poems by Alice Notley entitled In the Pines. And I take it from the shelf and open it to page 88, simply to browse. And the first stanza paragraph I see begins its sentence with my brother saying, peace in the valley at my cousin's funeral. Uh, this, these uh, poems I'll read next are from uh, a book that Sarah Van Books did entitled Unsleeping. A small ring. Almost all rings are small. But this one had under its cheek convex imitation glass, a tree, and another small tree beside it, staggering trees in a small picture, in a small ring, in a small story, in a small, not even town, in a time when you yourself were much smaller than you felt, about to enter more phases of life answers, unawares. 
blind to what you're doing, really. People you are about to hurt. Ghost of yourself you are to hurt again. And you are also missing lives, of course, that could you have helped possibly in small ways. Lives which needed help. People claim people like objects. What's the use? Almost all people are small when it comes to claim time. Um, this poem references my mother's uh, sister, uh, Nellie, my aunt, uh, who has uh, spent her life in Nova Scotia, and uh, also references uh, one of the Albany trains that runs uh, frequently to New York City from Albany. The uh, train name is the Hudson, uh, because it obviously it takes the Hudson River out the west window as a trout. It's called Train's Name. Then there is my literal biological brother who moved away. Take the Hudson and you can get there. Permission is another thing. My aunts were some of his favorite people. Mine too, but they are gone. Now glinting like this last fall light on the river west of my small window. Who has closed Nellie's eyes? Who lastly drinks from the river? Uh, I have a poem in this book, Lucky Code Anywhere, that's really <clears throat> too much too long to read. But um, I'm going to uh, just read a couple pages of it. It kind of is. Uh, I think it's a kind of poem that, honestly, the lack of associations between the small sections, uh, I think one could read it in a very arbitrary way, going from something on page two of the poem to page four. It would make as much sense as it's making now. <laughs> but um, I lived in Brooklyn uh, for a while in the 1980s, and I, I always, uh, I always, wanted to use uh, this musical title as a title for a poem. It's called Take the A Train. Um, and it simply begins. They're very short sections. Uh, Take the A Train. Once, long, long, long ago, in the someone else sun, I still have some cards, some family notes, Everything is for K, K who is R. If R is K, who is T? Leaves to figure and make at eye level. To Christ, to subway, to work, to heart. I can flounder like a star, said the third star on the horizon. But tonight I will not flounder at all. 
I will greet every busy person with wisdom and straw I will greet as one hand. Cheyenne went west and then was disenfranchised by the little remaining family east she had. I have this creepy feeling I'm going to continually misspell something important or say it backwards. What I'm really trying to say is I fear I am too headed for an evening, be it a weekend night or not, when I will be so excited and so out of hand, I will be brought like Phyllis into a hospital or some facility from some whatever the hell in my life will be the tiresome equivalent of an airport. I enjoy, uh, I enjoy repetition. Uh, and I, I'm surprised in a way. I, it was quite I mean, uh, simple, sheer repetition at times. And I'm surprised in a way when I look back that I, I didn't try to employ it as any kind of way of working, but uh, for quite a long time. And then uh, felt a real affection with it, as if it was creating a kind of uh, support while I wrote that I could return to frequently or, or with variation, and uh, would create a sense that you could get away with anything. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but I, I did have uh, I did have fun with a number of the poems that I, I used simple repetition with in the beginning of or ending of a line. And this is called Erotic Life Thoughts. And uh, I believe everything in here is also a question. Any leads on the broken window? Any way now to know the answer to your life? Any weight? Any answer? Any fortune in store as cheap as the one you just read? Any semicolon the bird would eat from, from your hand? A fairy tale with a bridge leading to a penis? A gingerbread house where the leaves were stone green? Any solution to the mast of stone green poem? Any cool coin you could grab for again as a little boy, any sexual identity which clarified again that you knew the forest began, but you could not get yourself to tell the snow or the thaw. A fairy tale with a bridge leading to a broken window. Any room for Tomas's right book on the table, a green stone which directed cheap fortunes back to the sun, an old house which is large and is the answer to the letter Z, any trees which resulted in a conspiracy, any eats, 
Any daylight word? I'll read a, a, just a few more. Uh, one is short, and I'll close with a slightly longer poem. Um, this, again, based on a humorous experience. I had. A dear friend of mine, William Rosenfeld, uh, I gave him a wonderful hardbound copy I bought in a used bookstore that was in great shape of uh, Kafka's complete stories. And this wonderful uh, yellow and black book jacket. And after I gave it to Bill, when I'd be over at his house, I'd see it up on his living room shelf, which was ceiling like 10 feet, and a large bookshelf would be maybe 8 feet. I, I regretted terribly giving it. <laughs> so, this is called How to Ask. Seeing the black, yellow cover leaf of the Kafka book I gave away, now forgotten, until again sitting in their house in a certain chair, looking up in a certain way to realize I want this book. Among many I have given away, I want this book back. How to ask, how to sit listening to conversation among the three of us when most of all I want this Kafka back. <laughs> I finally, I think when Bill saw the poem in a book, I think he gave it back. If you lose something in one return, that's the trick. That's the trick. The uh, very short poem for Lucky Curry, where I'm going close to the southern poem. Some layers. My arms rise. This is partly because I'm standing in front of someone else. So close, their arms could look like mine from far away. And from as far away as the sea I am afraid of, I could take to the streets with these arms intact if something deadly or wounded should happen to mine. The poem is going to close with uh, is entitled uh, Anger. And uh, there isn't, <clears throat> it might seem in the beginning because of the, there's a, a brief repetition at the beginning of lines of the word when, but it doesn't uh, it doesn't stay in that uh, in that notion. Uh, anger. When you have produced a black flower which ends more than one sentence, when you sit between the wall and the broken face of your own life, when you have hardened because the moon made you feel lost and found and lost again, when you found your moon a week later in a pawn shop but thought it was the shadow moon and sold the thing for a hole in the night's snow as if it was a dream. When you have filed charges against yourself but no one sits at the appropriate desk to take the paperwork from you. 
when the black flower ends a sentence before you end it. I remember one day when my eyes touched the sky and the day. I was accused of being too elementary in the world and quote unquote, furthermore, to what purpose is your calmness? The charges continued. The next day and the day after that, I was forced to read in interviews in which I said I loved myself. I was talking in the interview about myself by name, in third person. My voice was described by investigators as, quote unquote, pleased with itself like a gift. If you must know, they said, he didn't stop reading aloud until we told him to. My voice wanted to see you, darling, but you were nowhere to be found. I was glad for that. I would not have wanted you to be found. Still, I missed you like today, and I tried to hear you in the words between the words I had to read. Sometimes I pretended you were near me and that you had written these words only for me as a major joke I would eventually get. I got angry. I wanted you and the sea to be my lawyers, my representatives, my guardians at the very least. I still would not mention you by name, but the investigators sensed my neediness. They began offering me pawn tickets and pictures of a graveyard they said someone very, very close to me used to make love in. That this someone still thinks of that place. A black flower I thought was part of a harmless sentence I had written one day was brought to the protruding highly and vulnerable glass of water I could not drink. <clears throat> what looked like a modern printer under the clock on the wall began to make false starts. And what had looked like the moon to me and had been mine for years had become part of the interrogation and was no more the moon than a trailer moon, as well as a trader moon, a counterfeit. I am a nevertheless, I said, and I am no longer reading what I have said. I will overtake myself with still another day of moonlight. I will see that no one else is involved, not copper, not a door, not any ill house being rained upon by the illness of a traitor rain. I will see to it that my unnamed kisses will remain just who she or he is, unnamed. I will be at last 
the end of you. I will be your face me and your game of waiting or not showing up at all. I will be the end of me for you. I will leave nothing left for the world to take from me or for the world to violate. At the end of the silent evening, at the beginning of the next day, when the moon and the sun act as little stones at either side of the early morning womanly world. Thank you very much. Thank you.